Welcome to CII Podcasts. Hello everyone, this is Jayan Sriram and I'll be hosting this episode for you. Welcome to another interesting episode of the CII Podcasts. And today's topic for discussion is revitalizing tourism, exploring the Indian tourism sector. The Indian tourism sector has not only been growing rapidly over the past few decades, but is also contributing significantly to the country's GDP. With the emergence of the latest trends in the tourism industry, the landscape of the sector has been changing at a never seen before pace. So what lies ahead for the sector in the country? That's the topic for discussion that we'll take up with our guest today, Mr. Vikram Bakshi, Chairman of Ascot Hospitality Private Limited. Mr. Bakshi is a seasoned business leader with a distinguished career spanning over 30 years in real estate, hospitality and retail. He is widely recognized for his groundbreaking contributions to the quick service restaurant and retail sectors, significantly influencing their evolution within India. Thanks for making the time for us today, Mr. Bakshi. Thank you for joining us on the CII Podcasts. Well, I appreciate your giving me an opportunity to speak my mind. Thank you. We're looking forward to that uh, very much indeed. Um, so just to start with, um, can you share a little bit about your background and experience in the hospitality industry? Um, how did you come to be involved in the tourism and hospitality sector? You know, my earlier years uh, were spent in Europe uh, at the age of 22. I, for finding work, moved to Europe and I was mostly a, what one would call a one-to-one seller. You know, I would sell anything and everything that we produced in India. And I spent my first few years there. I actually saw the growth of uh, some of the quick service restaurants, especially McDonald's at that time. And I'm talking about you know, 78, 79, early 80s. And there was tremendous growth of these QSRs in Europe. And I was quite intrigued and I did write to them to say, uh, should you want to come to India, then I would very much like to see how we can, you know, get together. However, the answer came at that time is that because we couldn't serve their basic uh, products, and especially the meats uh, like beef, so they were, they were not interested. So that was way back in early 80s. But then, of course, surprisingly, they did come. They realized the sheer size of the market. So sometimes in 1995, when 1995 they came in, that is the time one actually entered into a joint venture with them. Uh, this was early 1995. And uh, I would say I was largely drawn into the tourism hospital, hospitality sector because of its dynamic nature and the opportunity to interact with people from diverse uh, backgrounds that one has. And over the years, one has got valuable experience through various hospitality formats that one has developed personally. Uh, so, for example, premium hotel apartments, or sometimes called service apartments, uh, under the name of Savoy Suites, is a brand that one has developed, and we have a few uh, properties already operating. Uh, we also have wayside amenities, example, highway pit stops, uh, like Savoy Greens, uh, which is there on the way to Karnal, on the way to uh, Jalandhar, and all the way to Machu. Um, we also have luxury residences, um, you know, which we call Tulamur House, Lepro House, that one gives uh, for uh, largely families who move into these areas. And of course, lately, uh, one has also been an uh, investor in startups in the food and beverages side. One of the startups one has invested in lately is a gourmet burger brand called Arcus. And a second one uh, in Cloud Kitchen is closed. However, at this stage, I cannot give the name because we haven't still signed the papers. So that's really my involvement. One was also actually involved in setting up the first Marit Tussauds into India, uh, in, in CP. 
unfortunately, uh, COVID hit us and they had to shut down that. Uh, but yes, one was very involved in it and managed to uh, make Madame Prasad's entry into India. All right. Thank you so much. I, I think it was really fascinating to hear you, you know, break down the tourism sector into so many different, you know, products, if you like, and how you were really involved in um, seeing all of those develop. I wanted to ask you, what are the latest emerging trends in the tourism industry that you find particularly interesting or impactful today? And, um, you know, how has technology played a role in shaping these trends? Well, one of the things that one is realizing and finding out is that, and it's also very interesting, is to experiential travel. You know, travelers are becoming more authentic. Uh, they want immersive experiences moving away from the traditional sightseeing to hands-on activities and cultural exchanges, technology, of course, has played a pivotal role in shaping the strength, enabling travelers to personalize their experiences, access real-time information, and connect with locals more easily uh, through platforms like social media, online marketplaces, which didn't exist before. So clearly, this is one of the trends that I see, uh, which is going to become more and more prominent as we go down uh, the next few years. All right. Thank you again. And um, in recent years, um, there's been an increase in foreign partnerships and FDI in the tourism sector. So how do you see this influencing the industry's growth and what challenges and opportunities arise from international collaborations in the hospitality business? And this is something, of course, you have a long background in this, and I think you would be very well placed to uh, give your views on. Surely, uh, look, I've had a, uh, I've had a, I can give you the good, bad, and the ugly part of all this here. So, you know, clearly the increase in foreign partnerships and FDI and tourism sector has undoubtedly contributed to the growth, no doubt about it. And uh, no matter what had happened uh, in the latter years uh, between us and McDonald's, but it did send out a trend. And by the time I exited, I had 188 restaurants with 8,500 people operating in it. So, great experience. Uh, I, I think what international brands bring is expertise, investments, and actually best practices. Uh, and, and these are very important for us to embrace. Also, however, there are challenges such as cultural differences, regulatory hurdles, and competition. You know, successful international collaborations in the hospitality business require careful negotiation, very careful negotiation while finalizing it, mutual respect for each other. Um, otherwise, sometimes these larger organizations tend to look at uh, the local entrepreneur on a, as, as a weaker person. Uh, and, of course, adaptation to the local market dynamics for which they actually require uh, joint venture partners uh, so they can leverage both the parties and, and effectively get the benefit of, uh, of growth in the market. So clearly, uh, positives, lots of positives, but cautious in terms of how you sign your agreements. Right, thank you. Um, that was really interesting. And I think on that note, um, just to uh, bring you back a little bit to one of the things that we discussed earlier, um, when we recall about the FDI sector really in tourism, um, you, you are the one who brought in McDonald's into the country. And that, that was, of course, you know, in the way that I think the country thinks about fast food, um, quick service restaurants, a huge moment. Um, can you tell us about how challenging or easy it was for you to convince uh, McDonald's to enter the Indian market in 1996? And um, what were the major learnings from this venture that really you take forward? Of course, you know, the first challenge itself was in the early 80s when they did not want to come in, right? They didn't think uh, they would like to operate out here if they were not able to 
have all their uh, products, right? However, they did understand in the few, in, in later years that it was too large a market to miss, and that's where they came in. So effectively, we signed the joint venture in 1995, and I think we've proved beyond doubt that this market has depth, and uh, I can see in the future hundreds of brands and thousands of restaurants that would open across all across the length and depth of India, right? And uh, however, the learnings, the learnings is that in India, you can't use a cookie cutter model. You can't just decide to say, I've got these products and this is how I want to push these products, right? Um, so for example, there's a very large uh, vegetarian customer base out here, uh, literally, 70% of what we sold in McDonald's was vegetarian products. So we had to develop new products, right? From a, something as simple as an aloo tiki burger to the, to the paneer wraps and the, uh, the pizza McPuff. A number of such products had to be developed. In the initial years when when we were planning out the aloo tiki burger, of course, you know, the people sitting in the U.S. thought that that would dilute their brand. Aloo tiki, what the hell does it mean? Oh, it doesn't mean much. It just means... It's a potato patty and it's easily understood. And it took us some time convincing them that ultimately uh, that it needed to be done. So the only thing they finally ex accepted was at least add a mech in front of it. So it became mech aloo tiki. Effectively, it's an aloo tiki between two buns. So lots of challenges, a lot of explanations, a lot of trying to make them understand that a cookie cutter model was not going to work there. And we had to seriously innovate. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think... Uh, in McDonald's history, uh, there has been such an innovation in its menu anywhere else in the world. Yeah, uh, thank you for that answer. I think I relate to that a lot as somebody who's uh, eaten a lot in McDonald's in India and in other parts of the world. I've always wondered, you know, um, and been amazed by the level of uh, innovation in the product offering that McDonald's has uh, brought to India. Um, and uh, just to sort of uh, switch tack a little bit um, in our questions going forward, um, you know, I wanted to ask you, Delhi has a rich cultural and historical heritage, of course. And in your opinion, what steps can be taken to position Delhi as the tourism capital of the world? And are there any specific attractions or events that you believe could enhance Delhi's appeal to international tourists? We need to market ourselves, package ourselves a lot better, a lot better. I mean, look at what all we have. We have to be able to leverage this rich cultural and historical heritage that Delhi has through, you know, uh, these campaigns that one needs to build, infrastructure development around each one of these uh, areas that we specifically have, and provide an enhanced, uh, you know, customer experience, uh, a visitor's experience to this. You know, highlighting iconic landmarks like Red Fort, Qutub Minar, Jama Masjid, as well as promoting cultural festivals, uh, food festivals, culinary tours, uh, heritage walks, of course, can enhance Delhi's appeal to international tourists and showcases unique offering on the global stage. However, it has to be marketed a hell of a lot more than what we're doing. I think very limited amount of marketing actually goes into making this work. Uh, so while we have everything, uh, I think we just need to make sure uh, that we build a great infrastructure around each one of these areas and really market it to its depth uh, to make it make people understand what cultural heritage that exists in Delhi. Hey, thank you for that answer. And uh, just to expand, so uh, the meetings, incentives, conferences, and and exhibitions—that's a category of tourism—is um, a significant segment. 
Um, how, how can Delhi be transformed into a hub for uh, MICE, which is the acronym uh, for MICE tourism? Are there infrastructure or policy changes that you think would attract more of this segment, of more events in this segment to the city? You know, we, we already have uh, India's biggest airport out here. And now we are seemingly coming out with another big airport in Noida, like in Greater Noida. Huge plus uh, for any city uh, like Delhi. So clearly, I think we need to make these international size, uh, you know, convention centers, exhibition facilities. We just recently got renovated uh, the present facilities that we have, but we need to build quite a few of them. Of course, there's also already an expo in, in uh, Noida itself, in Greater Noida. But again, infrastructural, I mean, you know, when, when we go and see some of these big exhibitions taking place there, it's still not being managed as beautifully as it should be. I mean, you have large places, you'll find parking uh, problems, you'll find um, that we're not providing enough information to... So these are all infrastructural things that I think one needs to really uh, to, to manage. And then, of course, next thing is visas. How do you make visas easier uh, to come in? I mean, I was just recently in Thailand and I could just couldn't believe the sheer size of tourism that takes place in that small country, which doesn't have as many things to offer as we have out here. So somewhere, I think our visa policies need to be uh, much more liberal, uh, much more helpful in terms of promoting uh, and attracting mice events in the city. And th these are special things that can be done very easily. It doesn't take uh, you know too much of an effort, right? I, I know there are security issues always. There will always be security issues. But I think uh, security issues should not really kill uh, you know, the, the golden egg. Thank you. All uh, very good points indeed. And um, you know, looking ahead, uh, Mr. Bakshi, what do you envision as the future of, of tourism and hospitality, um, particularly in the context well, of Delhi that we've been speaking about, but perhaps expanding it and speaking about India as a whole. I will go, I'll keep on going back to infrastructural changes that need to be done. And when I say infra infrastructural changes, I'm also talking about huge congestion of traffic. Pollution, such a huge thing. I mean, it's incredible the kind of pollution that we have in Delhi. And we are expecting tourists to come here for, and spend a few days. Uh, well, it's not going to work. I mean, I think we're getting a lot of negative comments all the time about, and this is really the time. We, we all understand that our tourism in Delhi really takes off sometimes from November onwards, October onwards, and continues right up to February, March. Right? That's a, that's a lovely period with the kind of temperatures that we have. But I think pollution, the one major thing, pollution, and if I have to repeat it, can you do anything else? Yeah, you can. You know, other things are still. Simpler and a lot of work is already happening on the infrastructure side. So I would say some of the bottlenecks are getting better. Uh, but I, I would just, if I have to sum it up, I would just repeat it three times. Pollution, pollution, pollution. If you really want uh, success uh, for tourism in Delhi, we just have to find the answer to pollution. The severe pollution that one suffers from here in, in, in Delhi. Of course, I think that's a sentiment that many, many people can relate to. And um, just as we are, uh, just as we are rounding up the discussion for today, um, I wanted to ask any final thoughts or advice for individuals and businesses uh, who are looking to thrive uh, or set up in the evolving landscape of tourism and hospitality today. What, what should they really keep in mind 
you know, given today's dynamics, the way things are working? We don't have everything in our hands, uh, but what we have in our hands, I mean, that is something that we should we should stay adaptable. We should, of course, uh, oft oft repeated words like customer focused, socially responsible, innovation, cultivate partnerships, uh, prioritize sustainability, and some of these buzzwords that I think are uh, that have become necessary to create these memorable experiences for travelers while making a positive impact on the destinations we serve. Right? Because ultimately, everything emanates from Delhi. Don't forget. So the good part of it is, can you imagine if you could just make the tourist stay one extra day in Delhi, just one extra day in Delhi, what a difference it would be to our, uh, to the revenues and to the uh, overall tourism industry and the retail industry and all the other things, just by that extra day that one can uh, have a tourist stay out here. And then again, I would keep on going back and saying, we need to sell ourselves better. We've got to find ways of selling ourselves way better. We, we have just about everything. Look at the sheer size of our malls, uh, shopping. Delhi is not considered as a shopping destination. Why not? Why not? Just why not? Because we haven't packaged it well. We haven't sold it as a, as a thing. We, we keep on talking about heritage blocks. Great. All, all the more important. All those are very, very important. But why not, uh, you know, shopping destination? That, that can be an equally important part of it. So remain adaptable, right? Constantly look at opportunities. Innovate like hell. Innovate like hell you know, in terms of trying to see that you are able to give that memorable experience to your customer, to your to your to the tourist who comes in, and uh, you know who comes and stays with you, or he takes travel, or he eats with you in whatever format it is. Do give him that absolutely memorable experience uh, that that can help us get one extra day in Delhi. All I keep on harping on for get that one extra day of the tourism staying, and it'll make a huge difference. Okay, one extra day in Delhi. I think that's a very good piece of advice, but something very positive to aim toward too. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Mr. Bakshi, for joining us on this discussion today. It was a pleasure to have you. Thank you, James. Lovely talking to you. Thank you for listening to CII Podcasts. 